I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. Hi, Michael Morgan, and welcome to another edition of the Wocast. Joining me as ever is my partner in crime, G. What's going on, G? What up, Mike? What's good? We have so much to talk about. <laughs> oh my God. Can you believe this started on Thursday? Thursday midweek, well, I suppose, um, next midweek, mixed martial arts. I mean, we've never had it so good. Are, are we kind of sport for choice right now? We are spoiled, but some of this stuff is oversaturation. Like, it's not the best. Like, last night's card in the UFC was meh. But I don't know. I'm having a great weekend because of all this MMA, and I'm not getting my work done. So, yeah, I'm having a good time regardless. We're going to circle <laughs> back around to that meh comment because really oh, yeah. it had, there was some jewels in there and uh, we're going to be digging deep to find those jewels but there were some jewels nonetheless but let's start off on Thursday a card headed by um, Henan Ferreira and um, Fabrizio Verdum before we get there though I'm not going to lie I'm going to put my hands up and say that I don't know the majority of the outcomes on this card. I don't know the majority of the matchups on this card. This was kind of like a, uh, a a glancing or a passing glance, as it were, in terms of, you know, me dipping in and dipping out of this. And, um, you know, before we obviously get to the main talking point, which was Vadim um, Ferreira, um, I wanted to catch up with you to see what you actually saw, if anything kind of like um, caught your eye with regards to the rest of the runners and riders on the card. So take it away. Yes. I was wondering, Mike, if you caught the younger brother of um, Kamaru Usman, who is Muhammad Usman, who fought Brandon Sales. Okay. So, you know, they, they put a lot of promotion behind Muhammad Usman because he's the brother of somebody that we're discussing as one of maybe the all-time greats, Kamaru yeah. Usman in welterweight. So, of course... You know, they're piggybacking off the fact that he's a former athlete and he's related to Karma Usman and his record ain't too bad, you know. But here's the issue that I saw with the fight, Mike. Man, um, Muhammad Usman needs some like basic rudimentary training and like the basics, kind of like how his older brother loves just basic boxing techniques. They got to drill that with Muhammad Usman. I saw a lot of issues of just rudimentary basic things. And also, too, I did not see a mixed martial artist in this young man, but I did see a mixed martial artist in Brandon Sales. Mike, wow. he was mixing it up with a teep kick. <laughs> no, man, like, listen, he was he was hitting um, Usman with teep kicks, punches, mm. kicks, taking him down when he was supposed to. It was a... Um, a well-rounded MMA mixed martial artist type of performance. Meanwhile, Muhammad Usman just got a really good chin and he has a lot of heart, but unfortunately he got submitted because Brandon Sales is a mixed martial artist. He mixed it up and all Muhammad has to do is train the basics and just learn how to mix it up some more. He'll have some more success, but he ain't ready to be his little brother yet. He's far from it, but it was, really? a, it was a decent fight. 
do you think i mean i'm, I'm gonna have to obviously go with your verdict here because i didn't mm. actually see him i've not seen his prowess but what i did see was the pre-fight interviews he was talking about the fact that he went with the pfl because you know that's where the money's at that's where the good treatment's at that's where the good bread is at. i saw saying. that yeah now are we in the cold light of day now that you've had a closer look in terms of microscopic detail as to what this man Mohamedou's man brings to the party are we actually saying that well sean shelby dana white et al didn't really see what should be the rudiments of a mixed martial artist um, in Mohamed Usman, hence the reason why they passed on him. Is that what you're saying? Maybe so. I mean, I saw some serious issues with the basics. And in the UFC, you pretty much should have the basics down if you're going to fight in the caliber mixed martial arts organization. However, Let's not act like the UFC isn't pumping out a puppy mill with contender series. Let's not yeah. act like on the prelims, we're not seeing people like Muhammad Usman getting crushed or fighting all sloppy because they're amateurs and, and they made their way through the contender series or their late replacements. Mm. Muhammad could go on the contender series, knock a couple of folks out and be a prelim fighter on the UFC. But is it the type of caliber, the type of fighting I want to see? No, it's, it's somewhat amateurish. I hate saying that. I hate that word. <laughs> but he needs a he needs a little work, Mike. He needs more work. Wow. Were yeah. there any other runners and riders that I missed before we like obviously go on to uh, the main event? Yeah, I would just say real quick, um, a young lady named Pacheco, really, um, she fought a young lady named Pajic, I believe, and her, her hands were nice. It's a good fight to go back. It's quick. She knocked her out, followed up with some ground and pound. It was a beautiful one, too. Mm. And also, we saw the beast, Kayla Harrison, again, fight another opponent that is not her size, not her caliber, and another mismatch for Miss Kayla, but she handled this. What do we say on the cast when you're given a mismatch or a smaller opponent? You're you hit a home run. Win. Yeah, you're supposed to win and mm. you're supposed to win in emphatic fashion. And that's what Kayla did. So I'm not going to complain too much. She took this woman down. She ground and pounded her and, and the fight was over quickly. Then she got on the mic and she told the whole world she was the queen of all MMA, not just the queen of PFL, that she was the best woman's fighter in all of mixed martial arts. Wow, that is some big claim. <laughs> Definitely. Wow. When, when your opponents are handpicked um, and also... It, most of your opponents are mismatches. That's why she looks so good. I'm not saying that she's not talented, but when you consistently fight women that are smaller than you, or they just are not on the same playing level as you, you're going to look good. And I don't think her claim to being the best mixed martial artist can hold up because you're not being, um, you're not competitive. You're not being tested or challenged. So until she leaves the PFL and, and starts fighting folks that can like give her a hard fight, you're the best fighter in PFL, Kayla, not in the, all of mixed martial arts, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, just thinking <laughs> with that theme of, you know, you're supposed to win when you're giving mismatches and, um, you know, you're, you're, that, that is your opportunity to make an Shine. exhibition, make an example and uh, really put your stamp and authority down. Let's not pretend that's what was supposed to, or that's not what was supposed to have happened with Renan, El Henan uh, Ferreira. I mean, the guy mm -hmm. is, what, seven and two. And, you know, obviously we're looking at the, the calibre 
Um, and I suppose this might be romanticizing it ever so slightly, but we've got some fun memories collectively of uh, Fabrizio Verdum in the UFC. So him actually going in there, it was a no brainer from where I was sat that he was supposedly going in there to showcase his skill, lay down the law and basically um, draw a line in the sand with his relationship with the UFC and really stamp his authority on the PFL. And that is his new home. But to see this end, in a first round KO, I'm a little bit kind of um, iffy about this one, only because, I mean, you you would have seen it yourself. I replayed that supposed um, KO out in my in my head, and then um, rewatched it over and over again. And it's clear from just those replays that Ferreira was actually tapping out. It was clear as day. I watched it in real time. I watched it in slow motion. It was clear as day that my guy was actually tapping out. Am I actually over-egging this? Am I being out of turn when I say that, you know, this was a travesty in terms of how it was actually, or how it actually transpired? Yes and no. Okay. Um, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downey here, but let's also discuss the fact that Verdum is a veteran fighter and yeah. i just don't understand why he's always in a rush to either show off or to just charge at his opponents because last time he did that to stipe he got knocked out while chasing down steep it's like he just doesn't learn to just kind of slow down mm. get the person to the ground stop showing off and just get the job done and mike i saw the tap and also when do you stop the fight when the fighter taps or when the referee sees the tap when the referee sees the tap, but okay, there's there no are... excuses. If the referee didn't see the tap, then you you keep fighting, you keep going, you don't loosen up the tap, you don't, you know. But it was a tragedy because the ref missed that. Yeah. It cost Verdum the win. So yes, that's the tragedy. But here's the thing: I I want to nitpick with Verdum because I'm seeing just like a, a sense of arrogance, a sense of running at your opponent and just being like, I'm so much better on the ground that mm-hmm. I have no respect for you. And then shit like this happens. He's got to slow down and just like take every fight, one fight at a time and fight to his strengths. Yes, but stop fighting like a fucking asshole. <laughs> like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like that Stipe fight? Come on, he ran straight at him. Wouldn't he chased him down? And all Stipe had to do was hit him with like a jab on his back foot. Fights over, you know. Like he's just like flashy for no reason. Comes charging out, makes mistakes, and then he pays for them. So when okay. it, when does he stop doing that? All right. Well, let me put it to you another way then. Mm-hmm. In terms of etiquette, I mean, I'm not sure if you've rolled. I'm not sure if or when's the last time that you've been on the mat. If you have rolled, but Ooh, years. <laughs> Well, you'll know then that you've got assholes in the gym who hold on to the choke or, 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 or basically have felt you tap and just keep on squeezing. Now, I have to say that for me, Vadim is in the gentleman category. He's not an asshole. He's not the type of guy to kind of like extend past his mean. Right, means right. He will basically, as soon as he feels a tap, he will let go because that's a gentlemanly thing to do. Yeah, it's the wrong thing to do. Remember, like, I don't I don't I don't need him to be um, Paul Harris and injure people and hold the tap too damn long either. Yeah. But I really advise all fight like I'm a fighter. I'm sitting here advising them. Um, I really advise everybody <laughs> <laughs> like, who am I? I really advise everybody like, seriously, don't stop punching or release the submission until the referee tells you to do so. And it doesn't really matter what fans say about, oh, that extra shot was unnecessary. They're not in there. They don't know how to calm their jets or they've never been in a fight anyway. 
fighters stop when the ref tells you to stop and you'll win the fights. I think it was very nice of Redoom to loosen up or whatever, but choke that man to death until the referee says to stop. That's how I see it. You know something we we well I can't I was about to say we can't I can't have mm-hmm. it both ways. On the one hand, we're saying okay, these miscarriages of justice um, occur because the ref has either missed something or there's mm-hmm. something like uh, haywire that actually goes um, wrong with the actual well I suppose finishing process. But yes, like you say, look for completeness and for surety. Yeah, you do have to kind of like factor in the judging or the the referee doing his job and doing his yeah. job does involve pulling off the fighter stopping the fighter noticing the tab in way, shape or form to yeah. let them know that it, it's over so okay yeah all right then yeah I, I, I really not got an argument to stand on there because and, the referee does need to do their job yeah and for the record mike you're 100 correct i'm nitpicking at redoom because i expect more from him because he's a veteran a savvy veteran and honestly he's in my top five goat heavyweights so i you know i hold him to a pedestal so i would like for his silliness in the beginning of the fights I'd like him to slow down however the fault lies with the referee he should have been in a position where he could see that tap and should have been close enough and call the fight yeah and Verdum would have won yeah but instead and, and then you can't blame Friera either if he tapped and then nobody noticed you keep fighting and win the fight like he did so I'm not even mad at him either mm. so the fault is with the with the ref Mike completely yeah. You know where there was no discrepancy in terms of finishes, mm-hmm. Bellator 258. Let's segue into there, Sergio Pettis um, versus one Archuleta. But before we even get there, I mean, okay, the card was actually, um, well, Bellator MMA 258 was headlined by those two, Archuleta versus mm-hmm. Pettis. But before we get there, there were some notable runners and riders and um, one which actually steps or jumps straight off the page for me um literally page was michael page versus Derek anderson so i wouldn't mind starting with that because this was vintage michael venom page no longer was he slipping and sliding on the canvas no longer was he um apprehensive as to the flashy kicks that he was going to be using this was him in full swing and i like the fact that it was against Derek anderson because he should have faced Derek anderson a few years back it was great to see this we also have to remember that you know Derek is a ranked opponent now for me what actually happened here was a way of actually showcasing Michael Venom Page's skill, a way of actually um, stamping out this notion. And I know you are regularly um, on Michael Venom Page's case in terms of his opponents, his matchups, and uh, mm-hmm. where he is with regards to I fighting. Am. But come on, this was a credible win against a credible opponent, against a tough opponent as well. I love yeah. the fact that, you know, he actually made this man's nose concave. And, um, you know, he he didn't come out uh, after round one. Yeah, that was a complete destruction of Derek Anderson. I just, I don't know much about Derek, but when I checked his record and did a little research, yeah, he's a ranked formidable opponent. I just don't understand the hype behind him because he looked like he had nothing for Michael Venom Page. And I guess that's just to, you know, to Michael Venom Page. Like he's that good that he made someone that's a formidable opponent and ranked look like, (laughs) He didn't know what he was doing out there. All he did was chase MVP and in the process of chasing him, got his nose broken and rearranged. And on top of that, it wasn't just 
that wasn't the only hard shot. I mean, MVP was just picking him off, yeah. bouncing up and down. And he was fast as hell. Do you know that, you know, while watching this fight, Mike, I was trying to roll a joint and I couldn't even roll the joint and look <laughs> down without MVP smoking this guy. So I had to put the joint down and be like, I MVP, let me watch you since you're so damn fast. I can't even, you know, take a sip of water or roll this mm-hmm. joint. But um, yes, um, I loved his performance. And again, even though this guy was ranked, when MVP gets somebody that he's immensely better than, he hits it out the park, home run, like the, with the approval of the WOCAS. When you get somebody that you can beat over, you know, mismatch or whatever the case is, you hit a home run, and that's what he did. And not only did it hit a home run, did you see this kid's face? Yeah. He needs surgery. I'm sure he had surgery immediately afterwards. One of the most severe breaks in, in uh, the UFC. Yeah, and it was loud. Did you, it was very loud. Yeah, it popped too. The noise had me jump back in my seat as well yeah but you 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 heard it as well yes it was was a pop Mm -hmm. it was horrific it's no different from a baseball hitting a bat Mm. you know like the bat hitting a baseball when 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 a pitcher throws it to you it was the same noise and it was just awful to hear because this ain't baseball that's somebody's face so (laughs) (laughs) it was kind of wild but I will say this, shout out to anyone out there that also has issues with noises. I hate noise. And the way they have that in mic in the cage in Bellator and MVP jumping up and down had my OCD or whatever the hell's wrong with me. Just kind of just I felt like I had rabies listening to him jump up and down in that, in that octagon. Did you notice the in mic in um, the like the mic inside the cage? I like it. Do you remember what I was saying about oh, the so immersive um, mm-hmm. methodology of, um, well, the UFC using that as well, you know, and I, I like all of that. I like the fact that they bring all of that so that you feel mm-hmm. as though you're there. You feel as though yes. you're part of the action. I, I, I get you when you say that maybe it might be a little bit of a distraction. but With MVP, but- it is because he's constantly bouncing. So that was a distraction. But I love to hear the pop of his kicks and punches, though. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Now on the card, was there anything that you wanted to kind of like bring to the table in terms of, you know, what really, well? I mean, we have to, yeah, I'm stateside, baby. We have to um, talk about Anthony Johnson versus Jose Augusto, you Mm -hmm. know? And Jose, what is he, seven and three from what I'm looking at? I didn't know anything about him, but I did hear Mm -hmm. his corner bragging that they was going to bring it. And I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. I don't know this guy. Man, Mm -hmm. round one, he brought it. (laughs) Yeah. He broke his hand and everything and still was fighting Anthony Johnson. And if I'm if I'm not mistaken, he had Anthony Johnson a little wobbly and a little off his fight game. A but little it, wobbly. That is an understatement. My <laughs> like, well, I would say he was on stanky legs ever so slightly. Yeah, he was dropped. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And and it wasn't is it was something that you don't really see in Anthony often. So I wonder if it was like the late replacement adjustment to Jose, or was it just ring rust? Because Anthony's been out for a minute. But Anthony looked great as far as his physique. So I was like, I wonder if he's going to have ring rust or is it an issue with Jose? But fuck that. By round two, he made the adjustments he needed. And you can tell he just didn't want to take any more shots. And he hit him with like a beautiful, was it like a one, two or like a one overhand? Yeah. And it was gorgeous. And it just dropped the dude in the end of the fight. And I love the post-fight speech, Mike, where he called out, who's the little manager with glasses that runs around with Henry Cejudo? That dude. You, you, you've met him before, the white glasses. Yeah, yeah, I have a picture with him, actually. He's, I, I, I forget his name, but... I yeah, I've actually met him. You're asking me. That, that's your friend. 
that's true because i have a picture with him and he was like real flirty with me too i was like sir sit down um and you, even though he's a really good coach manager whatever he does anthony johnson had some choice words for him after the post fight speech and was like yeah you thought i was going to be a highlight reel for jose and now he's one of mine i mm. was like damn there was some shit talking we didn't get to hear until after the fight so shout out to rumble for that i hope y'all and you you know face each other at some point but um, I liked this performance. I liked his return and I'm ready to see more. Considering it was a last minute replacement, I think that this was a very credible last minute replacing replacement. Yes. Considering what happened in the first round. That guy didn't come yeah. to lay down and die. That guy no. didn't come there to be like a pinata or a punching bag. He nope. came in quiet. And matter, f- matter of fact, give him somebody else. Yeah, just like if, if you put Jose Augusto after his hand heels on a Bellator card, I'm tuning in because I remember his fight against Anthony you know what I mean like now Jose's on my radar because he put up a valiant effort in the first round and his hands were pretty fucking nice and let's not forget he was also fighting Anthony Johnson short notice and he stepped up and he looked good so Bellator give him another fight yeah yes sir 100 mm-hmm. i mean it was topped off by sergio pettis and uh one archuleta the only thing i would say about this okay it, it was uh I, I reckon um what's what i'm looking for entertaining it was entertaining mm-hmm. as, in, in it in its entirety but you know, how, mm-hmm. how, how um pleased with himself must sergio pettis be considering that he bet the house on himself and actually segueing into you know bellator you know i think if i, remember, I love it didn't he leave um the ufc on a winning record it's not like he was uh you know on, on his last legs in terms of um chances and whatnot if i remember from 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 memory he, he came into bellator winning right I believe so. And not only I'd have to let me fact check you. But while I do that, I'm just going to go right into his debut for Bellator was a knockout like this Mm -hmm. kid's been on a run since Bellator. And it's you know what it is? He's had UFC caliber uh, competition, you know, so that got him reared for like Bellator. And here's another thing. This kid was under his brother's shadow for how long? And if I'm not mistaken, he tried to fight like his brother and then he stopped, became a more technical Pettis fighter. Because if you notice, he's not flashy, but he's technical as fuck, Mm -hmm. which is like his brother's more flashy. And my point is, is that Sergio has come into himself. He's not trying to be his brother anymore. And he's at a new organization with a lot of experience under his belt so that is why he's champ and i didn't see this coming i thought juan had it in the bag because juan is somebody special but for sergio to come out here and take that belt and and make a statement like that i'm really proud of him and he did it outside of his brother's shadow which is very important to me i think that says a lot yeah outside of his brother's shadow but in front of his brother his brother was actually on site in in, and uh cage side and Yes. I liked as well that he was really, really bold, really ballsy in calling out Horiguchi as well and representing yeah. Bell versus Rising on, on, on their cards that they put together. I think is a good shout. I can't wait really to see him, um, well, to see Develop him. in Bellator, right? Exactly. Like, and, and Mike, your fact check was correct. His mm. last win in the UFC, which is a good win against... Tyson Nam. We all know Tyson Nam got that thunder in his hands and he yeah. was able to outwork him in a, in a unanimous decision at UFC Fight Night 159, Rodriguez versus Stevens. So he departed the UFC after that. He was he was doing well. 
but he, I guess he wanted more money and he wanted to come into himself. So he went to Bellator to do that. Now, look, he's the king of his division. Good for him. <laughs> so, again, just touching on the past weekend's combat action, UFC Fight Night, Sandhagen versus Dillashaw. Now, psych. <laughs> <laughs> you tried it. Marina Rodriguez, um, Michelle Watson, obviously headlined that card. Um, I want to start, as is customary, with the prelims and like going in. Um, to this I have to say on paper as usual it didn't really look like much it looked like in terms of star power obviously this was lacking there were a few names peppered in there with Cowboy Cerrone but I want to start at the very beginning Christian Aguilera and uh, Carlston Harris Um, what I loved about this Carlston Harris uh, had some fans in the UK, specifically our man Den, which is um, you know part part of the uh, the Spaces team. He's pops in and out of the Spaces team, but he was representing Guyana. Now, from my memory, I've never seen, never heard of a uh, of a Guyanese uh, fighter, let alone a Guyanese win in the UFC. Right. So I bought it. Obviously, he's backed up by the fact that you know he's got the Brazilian Jets in terms of backing and in terms of training, you could see that on oh, yeah. display, obviously by his first round submission. Now, what I loved about this, and um, I, I want to get the, the phraseology uh, correct in that what they call the anaconda choke, what um, my man actually uh, laid on and like, um, uh, well, had it had in full effect there against uh, Aguilera, Carlston Harris, and, and his anaconda choke. The anaconda choke in Guyana is known as the Kamudi. So props <laughs> to bringing that linguistics and uh, that the, the understanding of uh, how that's actually translated in Guyana. But that for me was a pleasure to see. It was a good fight. And I love the fact, you know, in terms of like um, uh, outings, it was a good showing for, for, for Guyana. Stand up Guyana. Yes, and shout out to Mookie Alexander on Bloody Elbow. He was also equally as excited because he's from Guyana. I just, I get so excited when Caribbean massive show up in MMA, you know, like, I don't know. I just, even though I'm not from Guyana and my family's from Haiti, you from Jamaica, I just, it's all of us, like Caribbean massive stand up, like we need the gunshots and then, you know, when these these folks show up, but the (laughs) submission was gorgeous. And Mm. I I hope to see more from him. He seems pretty slick on the ground. And another one, he's on my radar, you know, like I'll be watching out for him. However, Mike, fuck these prelims. And if I'm saying this as the prelim queen, you know, I'm upset. I did not like these prelims. I liked the opener. It got me excited. And then we rolled right into Jung Young Park and Tafan Nuchukwi. And I just, I just would like to complain a little bit to my friend here, Mike. Um, I'm just like kind of tired of the UFC saturating us with these like constant fights every weekend. And the amateur level fighting is showing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I get that Tafan Nchukwi is exciting. He's only like, what, five and one. He still needs work. I mean, there were several dick kicks. He wasn't, it didn't seem like he was prepared for Jung Young Park. Park had a definitive game plan and I wasn't happy with this fight. I'm happy Jung Young Park won, but I'm just getting tired of like these prelims where it's kind of like, man, these fights kind of suck. Like, can we get some more substantiated 
amateurs maybe or more exciting people on these cards but and i was also dismayed to see the bullet wound in park's chest that was probably like staff that was healing it was disgusting i was dismayed what were your thoughts on (laughs) i was dismayed by the selective amnesia and selective eyesight of the commentators because usually if joe was in there if joe was commentating he would point that out that would be like you know a, a, a red rag to a bull um I was worried by that, but the fact that it was healing, I can understand possibly that's why he was passed. I think that's why they approve it. Yeah, if it's in a healing stage, they approve it. But to the fans at home, we are just sickened. Especially when, you know, Tefon had his face pushed down in it by Park Jung, uh, Jun Young. And for me, that was like the height of disrespect. You come in with your staph-infested body and you're pushing my guy's face in it. Of course he was right to knee him in the nuts. <laughs> did you did, did you hear me in Twitter spaces before I like crash my own Twitter space? Um, what's it called? People in Twitter spaces is like, yo, um, Nachikwe should punch his chest over and over again because you know that shit hurts. And I was just yeah. disgusted by it. But in all... You know what I'd like to say, though, even though it looks disgusting, I bet you it's they are proved to fight because we've seen this so many times. Like Kevin Lee had it with Tony Ferguson. Right. He had like the bullet wound. We all identified it as staff. I remember one time Kevin Gastelum showed up to fight. I swear he had herpes on his chest or his lips. It was terrible. But I think when they when they see the doctor. If it's in the healing process, the fight can go on because you are no longer contagious. It just looks really fucking bad. I think as well that I know this has happened in the past. There has been stories of makeup being applied so that it doesn't. Oh, God. But on the night, I have to say, it looked horrible. It looked like a Mm -hmm. bullet wound. It looked like, you know. You could finger it. Right. It was disgusting. Really and truly, if you're rubbing up against somebody's body, rubbing up against someone's face, I wouldn't want my open mouth to touch that. Come on now. Yeah, like how how much do you trust the commission to say, oh, it's in the healing process? And also, shame on you. Were you training with this? Your training partners have this? Like it didn't just show up the day of the fight and it's healed. You've been at this. And did you spread it? Did you like, did this affect your training? It's just, I feel bad for the fighter that also shows up with staff because look at Luke Rockhold, his performance against Chris Weidman. Even though he won, he said that the staff infection was kicking his ass. So you kind of have to know that they come in depleted as well. Yeah. So big up John Park for the nasty infection, but I'm sure his body was depleted and he still managed to take this big guy down and open him up with that cut and then also get the decision majority win. I'm just not a fan of Nachuku and John Yon Park. I want higher level um, prelims and competition when I watch the UFC. And I think that the contender series and the way they're running, you know, pumping people out is affecting the quality of my beloved prelims. So, no, but I want to say, you know, in, in all honesty, if mm-hmm. it weren't for, uh, um, John Young Park, we, we wouldn't have that many talking points because look how long we, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he opened him up too. subject. Yeah, and he was, they were covered in blood by the time the fight was over. And then, you know, he recovered. There was some points. There was drama. He kicked him in the dick all the whole fight. He got a point taken. You know what I mean? So there was a little bit of drama, but I'm just becoming a little maybe tired of the lackluster prelims or who is this person again? Oh, God, contender series, fucking bomb. You know, I'm just getting tired <laughs> a little bit, but main card was better. What do you think? Definitely. I mean, to be honest with you, for me, on the main card, um, the main talking point for me was Donald Cerrone and uh, Alex Morono. Now, Ooh. I hear all of these detractors who 
like me in the olden days would say, you know, when a man uh, comes into the UFC, it's down to him when he quits, if he quits, should he quit. But mm-hmm. I don't want to see any more Donald Cerrone getting blasted, no. getting by, destroyed, getting killed. By someone he would normally destroy. Like and we have to discuss thing. that. That's just yes. the thing. He was given this. This is one of those where he should have gone in blitzed or he should have gone in blitzed. That's why he was given a 19 and 7 man. He's 36 and 16. The battle-tested, war-torn man that is Donald Cerrone should have actually destroyed, laid waste yes. Alex Morone. But yes. left at the end of that round, I mean, it didn't even go the round, did it? Was a shadow of his former self. And affirmation in my mind that I don't want to see him again in the UFC. I mean, he's five fights deep in terms of losses. If you look at the no contest as well, that's six, six losses. But he also only lose. Mike, here's the, the sad part about Cowboy's demise is that he only loses to the best. And before his decline, which we saw with Nico Price, I think, and a little bit with Anthony Pettis, is that he's he had a murderous role. Listen to this. He lost to Tony Ferguson, 2019. Then he lost to Justin Gaethje, badly, 2019. Then he lost to Conor McGregor, 2020. Got kicked and beat up. Then, you know, he had the, I thought he won the fight with Pettis, but it was still a war. And then he gets a no contest with Nico Price. Come on, man. His body is war tone, you know, and he's only losing to the best. So I think when the UFC replaced him with Alex Morono, he was supposed to win. And he didn't. And here's the thing. Did I expect Alex Morono to come out here like a bat out of hell in the first round? Yes, because that's what you do when you fight Cowboy because he's a slow starter. But like when Cowboy fought Al Al Quinta and other folks, he just kind of calms down, withers the storm, like when he fought Anthony Hernandez. And then he turns around and he technically beats your ass. That's it. He's a slow starter that later on will beat your ass because he's technically better than you everywhere. And that is how Cowboy fights. And Michael, throw in the fact that this was not a pressure fight for him. We all know that if you tell this man he's getting a title shot or if he's fighting um. Connor, he fucks it up. You just cannot tell this man that if you win this fight, there's a prize at the end. He fucks it up. And there was no prize at the end of this. It was an easy fight for him to win. And his decline, his chin, and how slow he is just can't do this anymore. But Mike, let me tell you something. I heard that Cowboy wants another fight and he's not retiring. Can you believe this? He can have another fight. Another fight as far away from the UFC as possible. I mean, why not? Why not? just call it a day with this as an organization because the caliber of actual athletes are just not on his level he is actually checked out he's left the building and for me i don't get that this man is constantly being told possibly by trainers but definitely by close friends and acquaintances you are Mm -hmm. a slow starter it really does take you a bit of time to actually work up the pressure in terms of your attack and and Doing exactly the same thing is just crazy. Every single fight, fight the way in which you did the last time and get the same results. That's just madness. So yeah, like you see Donald Cerrone again in the UFC. Yes, continue fighting, but a million miles away from those three letters. And I agree with you, Mike. Like, at what point do you adapt to the fact that your chin is weak and you're older and slower? Look at look at um Overeem. Once he realized that, he fought differently and made a run for the title. He didn't fight the same. You understand? Like, at some point, 
Donald Cerrone either has to change up this whole start and slow or become some type of slow, crafty veteran that fights smarter, not just the same fighter every time. There was no pressure in this fight and he should have beaten Alex Morona. And he looked, he looks terrible. I'm sorry. He looks slow. The chin is shot. And I don't want to see him fight anymore. I'm not a big fan of his either, but I don't want to see it because once you can't gatekeep, what are you good for? Once you decline and you no longer can run for a title or you can't hang with the elites, you kind of automatically become a gatekeeper. And if everybody's getting past him, people like Alex Morono, come on, cowboy, hang it up. <laughs> hang it up. You know, we, we talk about Alex Morono, but let's put some respect on his name. I mean, let's really, do it. Really and truly. Um, okay, he lost to Anthony Pettis. But he beat mm. Reese McKee. Now, Reese McKee, remember, was this surging upstart who came and bounced into the UFC from Cage Warriors. So, you know, he, he's not a scrub. He Can I be honest with you? He's capable of, uh, you know, pretty, May, pretty big, big, big violence. May I interrupt? Yeah. Um, I think Reese McKee sucks. And I don't really know his <laughs> oh, background. Wow. But I did notice that you and Chisanga are high up on him. So there's something that he's good at. But as far as his UFC career, I don't think that's someone that you can say like, oh, he beat Reese McKee. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just looked left and right like he was crazy. If you could have seen me on the camera. Um, Reese McKee is not someone you want to bring up and be like, well, he beat Reese McKee. People Mm. in the States like, so he's terrible. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, But to give Alex his props, absolutely. He's a young and up and comer. They gave him a name and he went out there and he destroyed that name, regardless of where that name is in the first round. Mm. And also too, good for you for watching footage, for watching tape and coming up with a smart game plan, which is bombard the slow fighter and knock his head off. And that's what he did. And that was the game plan. Cowboy is a slow starter. You don't give him time to figure your ass out. You get in his face and you bombard him with shots to the head, just like Justin did. You hit him, hit him, hit him, hit him. And that's what Alex did. And it was smart. You know Good what, for him, too. You know what's playing in the back of my mind? I, I know mm-hmm. this is really, really cynical, but I think the matchmakers, when they originally put Diego Sanchez in the running for this, they wanted Donald Cerrone to. He was going to. Papers. Yep. Now, <laughs> obviously, it didn't work out that way, but the, the cynic can me says that's why they were paired up. That is why they were paired up, you know, exactly. But I think it's funny that, like, Joshua Faber showed up, got Diego's fight canceled, and Donald Cerrone, in true homophobic fashion, alludes to them having sex and making it, like, a negative thing that two men could be sleeping together. You know, like, of course, you got to throw homosexuals under the bus. So when he came out and got creamed in round one, I was like, good for you. That's good. <laughs> like, what Diego's going through is very sad. And it's cultish behavior. And on top of that, he probably has brain injuries. That's why he was susceptible to being under the influence of Josh Fabian. We don't really need gay jokes right now. Like who, and then if you are making them, make them at home with your wife. Why don't you try to help the guy instead of alluding to him having a homosexual relationship with him? Keep jokes like that in the house. Be ignorant at home, not with the media, cowboy. You come off like a piece of trash. I know we, we are segueing into possibly um, different territory here, but it's connected. Uh, Joshua Fabio um, being the name in the frame. But what's worrying is that his cult seems to have some big members in there. I mean, he's now um, tutoring um, Khabib Nurmagomedov, Ste- Stefan Bonner. I, I refuse my- to believe that. 
amongst others. I mean, his client list, according to him, is uh, has, has got some star power. When you say you refuse to believe that, why is that? Because cultist people lie. And I believe Stefan Bonner is under mm-hmm. his control because Bonner has substance issues. He doesn't seem to have a very good support system. Like he's a mess. You know, he's, you know, he's getting kicked out of gyms. He looks like somebody that would be susceptible to cult leadership. Khabib Nurmagomedov, I don't know. He's very religious. He has a strong um, support group. He seems to be of able mind. And also cult leaders lie. Who knows if Khabib just said hello to him at a fight and now you're just saying in a tweet, you do roll with Khabib. Shut up. And then mind you, I haven't seen Khabib confirm none of this. I don't see it on his page, but I have a feeling they shook hands backstage and Joshua took a picture with him. And now he a part of that like weird group. I don't believe it. No. Wow. This is Jim Jones, isn't it? I mean, to be honest with you, the worrying thing is it does seem as though he is the mouthpiece for Diego Sanchez and the worry for me is that we're hearing less of Diego Sanchez and more and more of this Joshua Fabia I mean the the the, the video we've all seen that's been crossing our timeline on Twitter has been deeply worrying to me I mean the man was suspended upside down like some kind of spider-man with his mask off and he's getting beat up punched in the head kicked in the body by Joshua Fabian. Now, what's that teaching and, him? Is that conditioning? Is it? I don't know. But this is the same man that accused the UFC of putting um, Diego's body and, and health in danger. Yet you really? are hanging him upside down and striking him, which is not anything done in any mixed martial artist gyms. And you can tell that that was some bonkers shit because John Jones had something to say. Yeah. Donald Cerrone had something to say about him being hung upside down, even though it was homophobic. Even and fighters are like, this is not something that we do. This is a sickness. Mm. Please get help. I was already concerned with Diego because I thought he was exhibiting. I'm not a doctor, but I always thought, I bet his brains are scrambled from all the shots of his career in MMA. And yeah. now he's hanging out with a cultist member. It's, I, I don't see anything good coming out of this because, Mike, I'm hearing that Diego is now cutting off his family if you try to get him to think you know to get if they try to get him away from joshua and if they don't believe in joshua he's cutting off family so he's you know alienating himself and pretty soon mike i wouldn't be surprised if he winds up homeless and joshua just takes him for every fucking penny and leaves him dry or if or if um diego worst case scenario because this did come up in twitter spaces then did mention this by the way he was like you never know if he starts self-harming because the man does have brain injury and he's under the influence of a very horrible grifter. Mm-hmm. So I don't think the outcome of Diego Sanchez is going to be any good. I think the writing is on the wall, but in my prayers, most definitely, because I do love the guy. So many nostalgic memories of Diego Sanchez. Yes, yes. And the cartwheels love him. <laughs> <laughs> Just before we leave the main card, which one do you want to take? Neil Magny versus Jeff Neal or Marina uh, Rodriguez versus Michelle Waterson or both? Not both. We got to jump down to Diego Fiera and Gregor Galepsi. And, and, and let me tell you, Gregor is back. Mike, I was concerned. When you get kicked in the face as hard as he did and probably undergo the concussion protocols that he went through, mm. I was worried for his return psychologically. And he proved me wrong. He went out there and he put on, like, I would say not a clinic, but he worked his ass off because Diego was getting him with his hands. He was offensively the better striker, but Gregor was taking him down and controlling the black belt on the ground. I was so impressed. 
And Mike, in the first round, Gregor seemed to be like, oh shit, I forgot how much cardio this takes. And he seemed to be a little tired, but he bit down on his mouthpiece, went to his fundamentals, his ground and pound, his wrestling, and he pulled out the win. I was very proud of him. He's fucking back. Lightweights need to be aware. Okay. And Mike, go back and watch that fight. It was fun. And it got fight of the night. Okay, I'm not going to lie. The majority of, of the of the main card, I didn't see. That's why I'm relying on you now. No, go back. Yeah, go back. Trust go me back. on that one. Yeah, so, it's it's a scrap. It's a it's a grappling dream. The transitions, um, the 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 scrambles, um, and then the ground and pound to finish it off. It's a it's a really nice fight. Go back and watch it, Mike. Okay, I, I will mm-hmm. I will do that on your your say so. Any more that you want to cover before we leave the main card? Yes, one more. Um, I like the main event. If you want to touch up on that, that's cool. I thought it was fun. I do think Michelle's too little for the uh, division. Marina had better hands and she was bigger. Let's get Marina fighting Mackenzie Dern next. I would love to see that. But let's jump down to Neil Magny versus Joff Neil. Mike, we got to talk about Joff Neil. Neil on Neil violence at yeah. last. This has been put on, put off, put on, put off. Good yep. to see it happen. Yes, it was good to see the, the battle of the Neils. But I will say this. After Joff Neal got whooped up by Wonder Boy, why didn't he go back to his camp and just kind of add more tools to his arsenal? Last night, all I saw was a one-two, and he was happy to run into Neil Magny's clinch, where Neil Magny is strong, which was strange. And Neil Magny was just slipping under, getting control of the clinch, beating him up. And then Neil Magny was the true martial artist last night. He was mixing it up. He was throwing out a jab. And meanwhile, Joff Neal was content with the same shit he was doing with Wonderboy. Like, how do I figure this out? And I just want to hit him with my hands. No, Joff, you going to throw a kick? Did you watch the Santiago Ponzinibbio fight against Neil Magny? Neil fucking Ponzinibbio kicked out his lead leg and then put his hands to work. Did Joff Neil fight? Watch this footage. What's Why going are you on? Calling him Joff. His name's Jeff. Jeff Joff. I don't know, Mike. You know I'd be fucking shit up. I'll go back to Jeff. I know. I'm just make. I make things up and roll with it. Like that's his God-given name. Jeff Neil. Let me go back. Joff Jeff. I just I just I think he still has a lot of potential, but let's go back and mix things up. This is mixed martial arts. You can't just rely on your hands. And where are the kicks? Where are the kicks, Jeff Joff? Where are they? Mm -hmm. But Neil had a wonderful performance. He kind of reminded us that, listen, I'm a gatekeeper, but I'm good at it. If you want to, you know, roll with some welterweights, you got to get past me first and you have to figure him out. And I liked his performance and it made me respect him some more. If that's the case, then I know he, um, you don't like this. I can say, I can say this even before I've mentioned this man's name, but Kamzat Chemaev, if this man is the so-called gatekeeper, give him Kamzat Chemaev next. How about that? A hundred percent. I I truly, truly believe that Neil Magny is, I don't see him on a title run. I'm sorry, because he's beatable. We saw Ponzinibbio tear him apart and you can figure his ass out, even though he's a tough opponent, but he is the epitome of a wonderful ass tough to beat gatekeeper. Look, he sent, he sent Jeff Joff Neil back. <laughs> okay. And he's got, I'm gonna call him Jeff Joff. He's got Jeff Joff talking. Oh, I need to rest. I need to go back to, you know, and get better. I almost battled with sepsis. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, you need to rest and let your body recover, but you better learn how to throw some more kicks and mix shit up and go for a takedown. My brother, if you want to get past these gatekeepers that you yeah. can't seem to get past, which was mm-hmm. Wonderboy and Neil Magny. 
And Mike, tell me, how do you feel about the Neil Magny call out of Vincent Luque? I'm, 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 I, I, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. You damn right. You don't hate it. These are two yeah. violent. Vincent Luque is violent. Yeah. You okay. know what? Yeah. So let's hope they put that together because again, if Luque gets past the ultimate gatekeeper of the welterweight division we can put him on a title run maybe or you know what i'm saying like it can can get very interesting with luke and even so even if it doesn't thrust luke up the welterweight you know division he's violent he's gonna bring the fight so book it <laughs> you know just before we go i just wanted to quickly touch on uh, canelo alvarez and billy j saunders which took place again at the weekend um mm-hmm. the mexican one with an eighth round stoppage. But why I like this fight in particular, this was boxing at its most technical. It was beautiful to behold. I knew that, well, I knew that going into it that, you know, Canelo is a formidable fighter, but the way in which he destroyed Billy Joe Saunders was a thing of beauty. And I suppose there was an added kind of like beauty to it in that in the run-up, Billy Joe Saunders was very cheeky. And I think that he was very rude. And, you know, this, this whole notion of, um, you know, it, it's almost as though he's putting himself forward to rile up and to kind of like, you know, I suppose getting his opponent's head. Uh, for me, it was working because he was being very, very irritable in the run-up, but it was good to see him get managed. It Mike- was good to see him um, in the way that he was dispatched. I mean, in the eighth round, because I'm not sure- What if was, remember- but Mike, let mm. me let, let me get in there real quick. What I missed the pre-fight buildup for this. What was so irritable about Billy Joe? I already know he's a fucking cuck. I know that from previous fights. But what did he do specifically in this buildup for Canelo? Well, it's what he said previously, and that's there's an element of karma going on here because previously, uh, when Daniel Dubois um, famously took a knee and bowed out of his fight because his eye was sealed shut because his um, his orbital was broken. Billy Joe Saunders quite loudly said, no, if it were me, I'd go out on my shield. There's no way that I'm not going to give it my last breath. You're going to have to take me out of there on a stretcher. And to see what actually transpired last night kind of made me think karma is at play here. But in the run-up to this, there was the whole kind of um, taunt in him when he was doing the face up, yeah, you're a Mexican. Yeah, you're a Mexican. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a gypsy. And I thought, well, is there really any need for this? Plus, yeah. in the pre-fight um, interviews, he was actually speaking to, I think the gentleman was from Spain. Um, he was Spanish speaking. And he was really being quite disrespectful. And because the um, journalist couldn't speak English, he was saying things in English that obviously was going above the head of has been a dick yeah him so what i'm saying is all of that kind of like ending in him quitting on his stool him actually um being haunted by the words that he said about dubois the fact is you know you'd have to actually stretch him out of there him um being i suppose in a way schooled by Canelo, who, you know, you go in there with a certain amount of bravado, you go in there with a certain amount of, um, I can actually take this guy's head off. But to be humbled like that, to be mannered mm-hmm. like that, I thought it was beautiful. Hence the reason why, for me, it was kind of like a, a, a double sweetness in it. Yeah, because I'm still stuck on the domestic violence video he put out to show men how to beat women if they yeah, act up. That. 
that was one of the most distasteful things. And it, it really bothers me when someone shows up in my mentions like, oh, it was a joke. Well, maybe you're just sadistic and psychotic. Did you ever think that? Like, it wasn't funny. Like, d- domestic violence you know, um, survivors watch boxing. What are you doing, Joe? So I was Billy Joe. So I was kind of happy to see him get thumped up, but I will say this, what a competitor. I liked, um, what he brought to the fight. I feel like he brought it to Canelo and I wanted to see that. Yeah. Yeah. I was impressed with him, even though I think he's a cuck and I like the way he fights and I'm impressed with Billy Joe. And I, I do not fault him for not getting back up because that punch to the eye that just exploded his orbital. You don't get up from that. The, the body shots and the uppercuts, they were ferocious, yeah. man. Yeah, he took a beating. you damn right he didn't get off that stool. Because you know why? In boxing, they get paid enough to sit on the stool and call the fight, one. Yeah. And two, they're just better cornermen. In MMA, your teeth fall out, and they're just like, nope, put them back in, get them out there. In boxing, <laughs> nope. In boxing, you don't get off the stool. And I'm sick of MMA fans that are ignorant, that will, like, they make their memes and compare the two when they don't really know that not letting a fighter come off his stool after a beating like that is the right thing to do. You motherfuckers like, come on. Yeah. And, and shout out to boxing too, because Jake and them are running around making boxing look like shit. Did you see him um, take off Floyd Mayweather's hat and reveal father time under that hat, that very homeless looking man. I thought it was Earl Mayweather. I I thought that was the reason that we always saw um, Mayweather with, near enough bald head but it's clear that he's had some work done and it looks like he's still in the middle of it so no wonder he was pissed off that his hat was taken off because that looked horrible it looked <laughs> it looked hard looked horrible. it looked it looked horrible but it's like this fun ratchet aspect of boxing but i appreciate canelo and billy joe for kind of being like all right here's the real seriousness of boxing here's the yeah. real fight here's where you watch boxing for technicalities knockouts and just for beautiful footwork and for two combat athletes to really give it their all i like that canelo and this fight is kind of like the saving grace of boxing right now like we need fury we need canelo we need some big names to kind of remind us that boxing is not jake paul ripping off floyd mayweather's hat so I appreciated last night to bring back the seriousness of boxing because I feel like we're all obsessed with YouTube boxing right now. So shout out to Canelo for breaking it serious again, you know, and Billy Joe. Yeah, exactly. Well, that comes <clears throat> that comes to the end of the WOCast. As usual, we'll be back though midweek with the rest of the guys with Shots Fired. Again, if you do want to discuss any of these talking points that we raised in this episode, you can contact me via Twitter at MikeWoTV. How can people get in touch with you, G? I am at Just Gina MMA, and look out for my Twitter spaces. I'm a horrible host, and I don't do them very long, but join me in chat. Remember, Mike, I hit the wrong button. Everybody just <laughs> I shut everybody up. I was like, technical difficulty. <laughs> I wondered what happened there, because one minute I was in spaces, and the next minute I wasn't. It abruptly ended. I hit some type of like self-destruct button I didn't know I had. And then it just, the twit, it blew up. And I was like, hello, hello, anybody there? So jump in my spaces, but be prepared for technical difficulties. But we, we ham it up in there, Mike. Okay, uh, we'll be back, as I mentioned, midweek with Shots 5.